Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com. That's K-O hyphen fi.com forward slash alone or you can go to alone with invisible people.com forward slash support us to find out more thank you hi i'm rebecca glarda the host of alone in a room with invisible people i am here today with author and teacher holly lyle and we are going to get into episode two of the ama or ask me anything so we hope you enjoy it Um, okay, so let's get on to another Holly question. Okay. All right, I kind of already know some of this. Uh Uh-oh. For Holly. (laughs) How did you manage to find a husband who is so on the same page with you? I'm always impressed by with how you seem so enthusiastic about Matt's comments on your work. My partner and I are both pianists, but sim- but the similarity ends there. He loves Baroque and hates French Impressionism. I love Impressionism and am quite indifferent about Baroque. He's, he hounds his students about rhythm. I hound mine about dynamics. We are very much complementary, but it means we disagree a lot. Have you and Matt always been on the same ta- page with your tastes and judgment? Wow. Um, okay. Well, first of all, that, that's that's like a multi-parter. Well, it's two parts. How did you find? How him? did you meet him? And then the other part. Yeah. So, how did you manage to find a husband who is so on the same page with you? This goes into the dark part of my history. Matt is my third husband. Um, I'm going to leave out the first two and just talk about him. We met at a writers' meeting at my house. Um, uh, actually, I think we met at a writers' meeting at Walter Spence's house. And then he showed up at my house for the second meeting. And um, he read a story that he wrote about John F. Kennedy or, or going back in time to save John F. Kennedy. And this was 1985. Short story. And it was good. It was really fucking good. And... Uh, I was already published at that point, um, and I, I, he just he blew me away with the story. Just to let you guys know, Matt wrote an incredible book. I remember reading it and loving it, and he yeah. sent it off, and he got a rejection letter, but it was a personalized, filled out, this is why we can't accept it letter mm-hmm. um, from his ideal publisher. Yeah. He is that good. So yeah. this is, this is, and, and his book was phenomenal. I understood why they said no, but I didn't, being a, a kid at the time with the particular story, I thought it was very realistic, <laughs> but yeah. he is genuinely and it was, an emfa- a, a, a very good writer. But he discovered that he did not enjoy the process. Yeah. That he did not like um, giving anybody the opportunity after he had bared his soul to reject him that it just it just that wasn't fun for him that wasn't 
yeah. exciting that wasn't you know just and it was it was a really good really good rejection letter like you know you could send this to somebody else yeah or you could um, fix it and send it back to us and right. we but it it's the the thing is uh, there's a lot of writers that I think are like that that put a single book out that has this massive impact and it doesn't have the impact that they had intended or there's because it got so much notice there's so much criticism from people who are out there to either hate or are not their readers that then they don't write again mm -hmm. so i think that that had it been accepted had it been published matt would have been one of those writers where he was like you know what i i didn't enjoy the process and now i have right. to deal with all this bullshit no right right and that ju that just there was no part of it um, that he actively enjoyed. He's really fucking good at it mm -hmm. and doesn't like the work. Yeah. Okay, so that is... <laughs> that is a really important part, though, and that's why I wanted to mention that that right. he's good enough he could have been published with, with without with the... With his first novel. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. without... And this, that wasn't... Yeah, go ahead. Without the seven years yes. of, of learning how... Yeah, he was he was that good that he got a personalized rejection ship from a top-tier New York publisher on his first submission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> and... And there's no convincing him, because believe me, Holly Holly and I, like, I, when I was growing up, I remember Mark and I were, were trying to tell him, you know, write again, try again. It's And Holly has supported his, you know, interest in that, too. It's just, it's not for him. And that there right. are some people that are fantastic artists and don't enjoy the process so it's not for them right so you know and and the respect here is that no he gets to define his life mm -hmm. and he does not like the work so yeah. why the hell would i pushed him to have him do something he does not enjoy yeah no matter how good he is at it exactly it's one of those cases of you should write well no you should do no. whatever the fuck you want to with your life because you've only right. got this one as far as we know Right. But yeah, so you guys, so, so anyway, you met and we met and, uh, a number of years later, um, I fell in love with him and, uh, it was more me pursuing him than the other way around. And, cougar. Um, you're a cougar. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm nine years older than him. Um, it was just, he was in the air force and he was, he was this really smart, funny guy and, and brilliant and he liked my kids <laughs> and uh I remember, in spite of the fact that go ahead. you were both you were both just terrors at the time i remember he said like i was making fun of him one day for being bald and um you know i, I married a bald guy my brother's bald it's, it's not it was never serious mm -hmm. or anything Your my father, father was. was bald yeah my grandfather on my mm -hmm. mother's side is bald. Oh yeah. <laughs> just want to put that out there. But the the thing was I was just giving him shit about it because it's just something that a teenager, you know, does. And he he said I'm so well don't you remember I had this really great hair? Don't you remember like I let you um or something about don't you remember my hair and I was like no when did you ever have hair and he's like boy I'm so glad I let you play with my hair when it because apparently I was doing just all sorts of a mess with his hair when I was younger and I don't remember <laughs> it at all but I do know that was me it wasn't Mark because I did like to play with people's hair <laughs> yeah yeah you did 
Yes, I, I was expecting you to go into hairdressing. Instead, you just do your own. Yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. But that, that's the thing is like he's been in our lives longer than we can remember for me and Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he, he was he was horrified when he came over to my house for that writer's meeting and Mark walked up to him. <laughs> he was what, like four yeah. at the time or something? And she held out his hand and shook his hand and said, hello, my name is Mark Deaton. How are you? It's so adorable. <sighs> yeah. And, and Matt's like... What, what is, is this? this? <laughs> what is this? this? Yes. <laughs> so funny that, that you would think like, you never would have thought that he's going to end up raising your kids, that he's going to end up being the best male influence in their lives up until, yeah. you know, it, it, that, that he is going to end up with one of those little monsters himself, you know? It's... Yeah. He was this guy who was this incredibly private, incredibly... He still is. He's, he's he still very, is. Yes. He he doesn't say much. He listens Mm-mm. to a lot. He doesn't tend to express himself unless he is pointedly asked to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's within a range of of people that he knows and is comfortable with, you know. Right. Yeah. It, and so the it, so the fact that he went to a writers meeting in the first place at a stranger's house because a, a stranger in a bookstore house. mentioned it to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's and. And he showed up for the meeting, drove 50 miles to get there, and uh, had to get back for because he was in the Air Force at the time, had to get back and, and then get up and go straight to work pretty much because our meetings ran way long. And I think that meeting broke up at like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And he had to drive back to the base and then get up and go to work. To, to be fair, your second ex-husband is reportedly very charismatic, although I have never never enjoyed the benefits of such i i, I constantly was a nice guy and i liked him yeah um, um apparently a lot of people um you know yeah because he could be very charming supposedly i i, I i'm just going off of what charming. i hear he was just amiable and friendly and yeah. and he loved reading and he loved books and he was he was a nice guy yeah he, you know he was not the right guy for me yeah um and he had you know left out some significant portions of he had left out some significant portions of his life mm. uh, and what was actually important to him and um if he had been honest, I wouldn't have married him. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked out. But yeah, it, no. But, but I mean, the, everybody makes mistakes. So yeah, you know, and that's yeah. just part and, of life. But right. how did you guys get? So it's like how how you and Matt have you and Matt always been on the same page with your tastes and judgment? Yes, yes. If he was the guy who introduced me to the Matt Scudder books, now I had found Bernie Rodenbar on my own. Um, cause he was writing those when I was in high school and I drove to the East Liverpool library, um, going the wrong way down a one way street to get there, as I recall, uh, cause I just gotten my license. I was 19 and I had waited a long time cause I really didn't want it. And anyway, and I found Bernie Rodenbar at, and I just took out every single one as soon as I could find them. But he introduced me to Matt Scudder. Yeah, and Spencer, the Spencer novels, because Matt was very much into the uh, detective, the private eye genre. Yeah, yeah, and and there and that was that was his novel too. It was a private eye novel. Mm -hmm. It was damn good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that it was. 
we just had all of these similar tastes in books. But then I liked a bunch of stuff he had never read before. And then he started reading my stuff and discovered that he really loved my stuff, which certainly made me think a lot of him there, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that, I think that a lot of, um, I think any good relationship, be it a, a, a partnership, a friendship, a marriage, um, mother and daughter, uh, brother and sister, anyone's where you're really deep is you're going to be on the same page with some section of of your life of your taste yeah. and judgment in some area and if it's writing as with you i mean that's really gelled your relationship and and that that and writing is your and... life so it's important for you to have somebody who's on the same page with you yeah in that area it, yeah it really helps yeah and and we have we have similar philosophies about life and similar tastes in pretty much everything. Yeah, well, you guys grow together, too. Like, you both... That's true. ...kind of take the same steps together. You work together. You 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 take these life changes together. And that is something uh, that yeah. I really... I really envy and also really admire and like. Um, that's definitely not something that I have. It's not something that everybody has. And, no. you know... That's I'm very grateful that we do. The fact that the fact that he discovered paleo back when we were both, you know, I was 250 pounds and he was about 300 and that we have each lost more than 100 pounds um, for me. I'm thinking at this point is about 125. And there's right there's also there. yeah. just the the different philosophies that you guys have gone through. Just yeah. the fact that you guys you, you take everything head on as as a partnership and that is it's not the only way to have a marriage because there's plenty of of marriages that don't take literally everything together as a partnership there's a lot of marriages that work when two people have their own separate things that they really enjoy and love um i'm thinking of uh lisa clow from lockery fine art her and her husband have very different lives and they enjoy them separately because he's not an mm -hmm. artist and she is and then they enjoy their time together so it yeah. isn't the only way to have a marriage that is successful i'm definitely not saying that um but your partnership works so well yeah if you well if you are both going to be working from home if you are both going to be home together 24 hours a day seven days a week you really need to like each other a lot <laughs> Yeah. And we are very fortunate in that, that we we really just enjoy each other's company. We have the same sense of humor. We have the same interests. We, we just, and there are, there are times when I drive him absolutely nuts because I am noisy and chatty and talky and loud and I thump when I walk. And we now live in a, in a house with a floor that's, a house that's 80 years old and a floor that creaks. And I get on his nerves sometimes. Um I can't say that about him. He doesn't get on my nerves because he's this really quiet person and I'm not. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's basically our thing is um, I am I can be kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. Um, but I can I can agree that if you're going to spend 24 hours, seven days a week together, you have to like each other, really like each other. That was how I knew Tony was the one was the first, what, four years of our relationship, three or four years. Right. We were spending 24 seven together. We literally yeah, we worked at each the same place. Pockets. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I already knew if, 
if it you know came to the end and we were both retired we 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 were gonna drive each other nuts because that's what we do (laughs) and that's what tony does to me intentionally but Mm -hmm. it's it's okay because we like each other enough that that driving each other nuts is is not something that's going to drive us away from each other yeah that's that i think is is the key right there loving each other is important liking each other is life or death yeah i mean (laughs) to me love is is there's different forms of love Mm -hmm. and like i can tell between the two of us because we've known each other for 15 years we've been together for 14 the love changes Mm -hmm. it does it 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 evolves and it shifts and it's but the the friendship the fact that you just like each other and you like being together and you get each other's stupid jokes. Yes. I'm the one that makes the stupid jokes. His are always pretty good. but oh, he, um, he makes some stupid jokes too, but they're they're still good. <laughs> you know, they're still funny. He's he's very funny though. Yeah. Oh he, my God, he's funny. You're corny oh. as hell. Oh my God, he's so funny. Yeah. And he makes me laugh and he'll, he'll, he'll just look at me and raise an eyebrow <laughs> and we'll be looking at the same thing and I will just split. I will just, because I know what he's thinking. I know what I'm thinking. I laugh my ass off and then I get caught. You know, you have that, that, <laughs> mental, that mental image of, of other people. Joe is always two to four in my head. Matt is always twenty something. I don't know what he, what he was, but when I was about thirteen or fourteen, he's about twenty something. You're thirty something, but his mm-hmm. face is always the eyebrow raised. That is the mental mm-hmm. image I have of him because he used to do it all the time, and he he'd make he these funny faces. Yeah, I wish I still had that baby. The, the I had a, a little doll. Matt Matt can be hard to make laugh. He's it it becomes this kind of challenge, this kind of fun thing, and I remember growing up it was the weird random shit that we would do to make him laugh and i found this little tiny three or four inch tall baby doll that had a pacifier in one of its hand and when you pulled out the pacifier the face on it was for some reason so bizarre and so just wrong looking (laughs) i I think i remember that doll yeah yeah i just (laughs) i thought it was hilarious and then i walked up to matt and I had the pacifier in his mouth and I pulled it out and he just bust out laughing. He's like, what the fuck is that thing? He just, <laughs> I will never forget. And then I put the pacifier back in, pulled it back out and he laughed again. He's like, get that thing away from me. It was just <laughs> one of the best moments. And making him laugh is, it's like, it's not as good as making Tony laugh because Tony is a grumpy fuck and hard to make laugh harder than Matt. But Matt's a grumpy bastard too. And, you know, making him laugh is, <laughs> is fun too. But yeah, yeah. Um, you guys really had to work through some shit to get to where well, you are. But yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, we we did not have it easy. Mm-mm. And <laughs> and you know, twenty five years later, every minute of, every minute of the shit and getting through it was worth it. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. So one for me. And this one's going to be quick. Uh, which of your jobs would you consider the best, quote, preparation or most helpful to writing and why? Literally all of them. Um, yeah. All of my relationships, all of my jobs, all of my travel, just everything is the same. It, it, it's it's You can't see it when you're in it. But every job you have, every relationship you have, every friendship you have, it's all beneficial to your writing. 
all the study that I did, all the, the, the fact that I went to, to college for a little while, um, it's all the same amount of benefit because it's life experience and life experience is something that you can put into a book, whether it's to make a point, whether it's something that's going to be relatable, whether it is to, to just build up a character whether it's to know what a character goes through on a daily basis, all of my jobs that I have had have been absolutely a great preparation and, and the most helpful to writing. Also, every single one of them has told me that a, I'm a fantastic employee. <laughs> I, I, yes. I, I'm not patting myself on my back on, on the back here. I, I go, to work I'm on time I do my damn job I do it to the best of my mm -hmm. abilities I if I work at a place for long enough I I can become incredibly efficient and take on extra jobs I am a workaholic if I'm working I am a fantastic employee but the minute somebody gives me an attitude I'm fucking gone I I you are literally paying me to be there I am worth your money so mm -hmm. my time is worth your respect that is how right. I feel. And I have been blessed enough in most of the cases that if I had an issue with somebody, I was gone. Um, I don't tolerate disrespect. I have a temper. Um, <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. And <laughs> after, so I dealt with some of it as a waitress because I am a very good people person. I, I know some of that shit just happens. Some of, I, I do tend to have, because of my past, I do tend to shy away from conflict when it comes to um, issues of um, inappropriate touches from men because I, I've got issues from my past. And, and, and also there's a lot of that society thing and, and there's a lot of the fear that comes with being, at the time, a very much smaller... Because I was, I was more fit, I was, but I wasn't like exercise fit. I was just smaller and I was, I'm also like 5'4". So I thought I was 5'6", but they measured me at the doctor's office. I'm 5'4", apparently. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, I'm 5'6". <laughs> so you're taller then. And a quarter. Whatever. I still can't <laughs> believe I'm 5'4". I'm like, what? Well, you got that from your grandma, not yes. well, actually, probably from both your grandmothers, because well, my mom's five four and Eva's like what five? Maybe I think she's four, like eight. four foot eight. Yeah, I think she's four <laughs> eight now. Um, yeah, but yeah, so there, there's there's certain issues that I used to have a problem with, but being married to a Yankee, I I don't even put up with shit from my friends anymore. I I'm like I don't, especially after uh, I've had some issue with other people's drama and bullshit at this point it's like i don't need anybody i don't need toxic people i'm i'm done with you so when it came to working um i knew i was a great employee i knew i would work my ass off and i knew that the instant that there was anybody who and it, i'm not even talking age right age doesn't matter to me you can be 12 or you can be 109 and if you treat me with respect and you're you know, my boss, I'm going to treat you with all the respect in the world. Right. I don't care if you're older than me or younger than me. You have an attitude problem and you bring it to my fucking table. I'm gone. 
I, I don't, I, or you're going to hear about it and then I'm going to get reprimanded. And I don't deal with reprimands very well either. I, I, do, I have issues with, uh, quote, authority. Oh, yeah. To me, there is a... In every case when I have seen this, though, they have been justified. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I have I, na- never seen you blow up for bullshit. No, and, and that's the thing. Unless it's with Tony... You know, <laughs> and it's just, it's just, um, stress over stupid shit and I'm taking it out on the wrong place. And even then, even then I come back right away and I apologize and I'm like, yeah, I, that wasn't about you, but it's, I put up with so much shit at work and stuff because I want mm-hmm. to get paid that if I do blow up, it's a big damn deal and you were out of line. And the thing is, there's such a vast under, <sighs> The vast majority of people are unrespected. They, they, they have this lack of respect for for what they're doing because middle management tends to be people who are disappointed with their life and take it out on the fucking people below them. Mm-hmm. And my thing is, these people need their jobs. These people cannot just quit on a dime. And my heart goes out to them because I yeah. have been very lucky in, in the instances. I have been there where I couldn't just quit. I've been there, but I've been lucky as the instances went on that, you know, Tony was working or other, other situations that made it easier for me to say, okay, you know what? Fuck you. Bye. Yeah. It's, or I had a second job lined up. Like I had another job lined up and then I quit. So if, if you are somebody who's out there and you're going through a job right now and you're like, this is not, you know, that creative or whatever, this is not really helpful to beneficial to my writing five years from now, if you're in a different job, it might be every Mm -hmm. single job you have, every single relationship, every single travel, you know, arrangements that you've made anything, it will all be beneficial to your writing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the thing of making sure you live your life, making sure that you have as many experiences as you can and that you pay attention when you're having them. Yeah. And that you don't, don't just assume that a shitty job is is beneath you, having worked a number of shitty jobs myself, mm-hmm. some of them with literal shit involved because I was an ER nurse and I was a mid-surge nurse and I was an ICU nurse and I was for one year a nursing supervisor. Oh, God, I hated that job. Um, um, everything you experience, everything is going to show up sooner or later in your fiction in one form or another. Yeah. Yeah. So and, that that's... And it will pay you. Yeah. So that was that was um, the question for me. So let's find yeah. the question for both of us. Um, okay. What hobbies are good to clean out your mind? I am looking for something to pick up as far as a hobby where it is not necessarily creative, but it is still creative. I'm not talking about reading books or creating art I'm talking about if I spend the time working and then I do my creative stuff how do I relax after that what kind of hobbies are good for letting your brain just wander <laughs> knitting knitting <Yeah>. baby <laughs> yeah. knitting crocheting um there you can say not talking about creating art but there are types of art that are great for zoning out you can do you can look up zendala z-e-n-d-a-l-a um it's just making a whole bunch of repetitive patterns you can just 
do abstract art. Um, but if you're looking for something that isn't creating something, um, video games, I guess. Yeah. Well, yes, video games also, but those tend to be a little bit less um, let your mind wander. Um, if you're a guy and you would like something um, you know, more guyish, um, hunting, fishing, tying flies, uh, you know, creating the lures, uh, this stuff. My dad taught me how to do some of this stuff when I was a kid. Um, woodwork. Um, stained building. glass. Stained glass, even though that's that's kind of expensive. But you can go to yeah. um, the like a, a craft store and some of them will sell or you can just go online and some of them will sell um the bead making things mm -hmm. oh yeah jewelry i didn't even think about that macrame right right jewelry. whittling and carving yeah um which which sculpting. are sculpting uh yeah yeah quilting uh just stuff where your hands keep moving where your hands can learn the motions mm -hmm. and do the motions and and do them correctly and then you can just kind of let your mind go and that it is very, very soothing. And I knit a hell of a lot because... Yeah. Knitting and yeah. crocheting can be a self-taught thing. There's a... I've never paid for any sort of, of lesson when it comes to knitting and crocheting. Tolly taught herself, but I I learned through YouTube, all of them free videos. Um, I luckily learned before there was ads. Knitting and crocheting can also be a very inexpensive hobby if you buy the needles, hooks, and yarn from places like Walmart or you go mm -hmm. on eBay and you can find some really good sales if somebody gave up on their, their try at knitting and crocheting oh, yeah. or they had a family member give up on it and then now they have seven tons of, of yarn that they don't want. I need to knit faster because if I don't, that's going to be you. Oh God! <laughs> I think at, at this moment I probably have three, four hundred pounds of yarn. Well, I know at least ten pounds of that is already mine. It's the big, fat, thick yarn that you didn't want, but yeah, yeah. But there, there's so many different hobbies out there. You just gotta like geocaching. Geocaching is fun, especially if you're not in an area like this, because where I live, it's mostly swamp and hot and mosquitoes and itchy plants and possible snakes. <laughs> And alligators. <laughs> yeah. Murder logs, as they're called. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but you can, you can, uh, even here, it can be fun. Um, geocaching is a lot of fun because it's kind of a little challenge. It's kind of, a, it's, it's always a treasure hunt. And you pick up ideas without knowing that you've picked up ideas. So there's just so many different hobbies. Just try stuff out. I know I liked, um, going to the beach um i liked the attempt at water skiing that i tried that was fun exercise mm -hmm. is oddly enough another fun thing i know a lot of people don't think of it as a hobby but it can be you can you can go for a walk you can go jog you can oh god i love going for walks yeah you can do yoga which is one of my favorites and yeah. you're trying to push the thoughts out of your brain too so you can kind of do both meditative and exercise. And, and that's one thing that I think a lot of writers don't get enough of probably is movement um, because we tend to sit still a lot. And this is, this is not a, a 
ploy for you to go exercise, but it's just, we do tend to sit in one place and that can have effects on our bodies. So moving is probably a good idea. And you can kind of, if you haven't tried yoga, I would definitely say try yoga for men and women, for anybody out there. It's just making sure that you're breathing right, deep breaths, slow breaths, push away the thoughts. And the way that you feel after you're done with yoga can really help with with this kind of creative cluster that you have in your head. I know that that has helped me, especially if I'm doing it daily. Can I add a little something to that? That you, you ticked me off to a couple of really, really useful positions for um, just oh, de-kinking the, my back. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have scoliosis of the L1 through S2, which I didn't find out about until I was, or through L2 to, to S1. Till you were 50, yeah. I think? Yeah, 53. 53, that was Yeah, right. didn't, didn't, didn't find out that that's where all my back pain come from came from until I was 53. But uh, Becky tipped me off to a couple of yoga positions for that. <laughs> and there are, yeah, and there are some things you can do for, for writing-related injuries because, mm-hmm. yes, there are work-related injuries when you're writing. Um, wrist pain um, and shoulder pain and neck pain. Yeah. And, um, and you don't have to do a full 40-minute freaking or hour-and-a-half-long session. You can literally no. just look up the poses on YouTube for free, again, and learn a couple of different poses and try them, you know, daily, every other day, something like that, when you feel yeah. the pain. All right. So, All right. So I th- yeah. yeah. I, I mean, just <laughs> this one's like like do. Um, what's the thing with the spinning pottery or? Oh, pottery. Yeah, you could you could try doing pottery. Yeah, that would be cool. You know, the, there's yeah. so many different things. I guess art go tos are are very much the knitting. My mine also too. Stardew Valley, very brainless. The way that I mm-hmm. play it. Oh, I'm playing Animal Crossing right now. The Animal Crossing, the new one. Um, on the Switch. Yeah, on the Switch where you get the islands. The, and is that Switch one kind Christmas of brainless in a way? Is it just... It is. Yeah. Yes, because you're walking around picking things up and getting stung in the face by wasps. And um, when you're knocking things out of trees and you're you're finding stuff and fishing. And, and it's a lot of stuff where your brain has absolutely nothing to do. <laughs> You're still having fun, but uh, at the same time, it's this downtime. Yeah. And it's very, very useful for that. So, I th- yeah. I think the way Tony plays Destiny is kind of like that, too, because I swear to God, if if, if I hear Shax's voice one more time, I'm going to scream. They, they need to give that man some new dialogue. But, yeah, some of the some mm-hmm. of the, the different hobbies that you have, it just depends on how in-depth you're getting, how creative. Obviously, knitting and crocheting can be too much creativity if you're creating your own patterns and trying to record everything. So it's all the level of depth that you take. Yeah, don't do lace if you're trying to wind down. <laughs> okay, so this one, th- this... <laughs> Sorry. This one says Holly and Becca, but I I can't count this because it doesn't okay. a- apply to me. So I'm just going to, we're just going to make it a you question. Okay. What is the biggest professional mistake you've made? If you could go back and fix it now, I guess, would you? And then what would you do to fix it? Oh, boy. Okay. Well, 
you, you, the the temptation is to say publishing commercially, but there was I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, but that I can't I can't count that because there was no indie publishing when I got started. Well, it was um, it was like indie publishing was just a low quality. You, you couldn't right. get your books in bookstores. It was yeah, because I have some some indie published books from the like nineties and two thousands because that's how people could get their zombie works done. Right, but it it's not good quality. Right, <laughs> the, and the printing and the the covers and the everything they were all crap, and the re- royalties were non-existent, and uh, the contracts were hellacious. So I, you know, For, I can't say that. Okay. But okay, so so okay, so now I've got to think about this because, um. Could it be? I didn't start soon enough. Oh, okay. I didn't start anywhere near soon enough. I knew from the time I was a kid and read The Sword of Shannara that I wanted to write fiction. You said that you didn't know that until well, you read Anne McCaffrey's thing and, and realized that that's what you needed to do to stay that's home when with I your reali- kids. That's, well, that's what... That was the path that I could take, but I always thought, well, you know, those books, mm-hmm. they're so good, and somebody wrote them, and and I, I did a couple of stories for my teachers at school, and they said, oh, they were wonderful, but, and and I even had one teacher who, who told me, well, you know, you could, maybe you could publish that, but it didn't, it didn't connect. It was this... If I had, if I could go back in time and do it over again, I would probably be one of those people who was starting at the age of 19 trying to write fiction and, and I would just give myself more time. You know, I wouldn't wait and wait and, you know, and then there was this period where I was dreaming about it and thinking, well, you know, one of these days I'm going to write a book and never doing it and because, you know, well, hey, you know, someday I'm going to write a book. And that's one of the things that, that I think I even go through with um, the page, the uh, how, how to Think Sideways. I go through kind of the, the steps that I took where I was, I was dreaming about someday, the, all the stuff that you don't get. Yeah. Uh, authors tours. And uh, being wildly famous and having New York Times bestsellers and having people just, you know, adore and admire me and having be having these books that everybody was talking about. And you walk into a restaurant, people know who you are, which if, oh. if you're a writer, you're in so the wrong, wrong job for that, man. Yeah. Um, but you think that that's what the job is. Some, and people, that's what some I, people think that that's what the job is. <laughs> Well, yeah, initially, I think initially that's kind of where you start, and then your your understanding of it grows deeper if you have any actual interest in the work. Yeah. You know, and it takes you a while to realize that, no, the job is sitting alone in a room talking to invisible people for about four to six hours a day. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes more. more. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes way more. Yeah. <laughs> See, for, for me, I I never thought that, writing was like that i know stephen king has that um Mm -hmm. i'm sure there are other authors you could recognize by sight i don't know them except for you 
Yeah. Um, I don't know what my authors look like. I don't care because I know what's important to them by what I read. Um, yeah. Part of the attraction of writing to me is the an anonymity, basically. Um, I, I wouldn't mind having this. Oh, this cult. that is for me now, too. But Well, no, I mean, even even like being this person who has never, you know, I've published stuff under different names. I think that that kind of shows the desire to keep a certain amount of anonymity the the fact mm -hmm. that i'm going to be publishing under my own name and all of my friends know about it and they know you know there, there's a certain amount of nerves that that gets there because there's a lot of personal stuff so part of the appeal to some people is i think the lack of celebrity fame i know that there are a lot of people that that are out there that think that they're the next Stephen King or J.K. Rowling. Like, I don't even... Literally, I've seen her posts on Twitter because they get shared a lot, J.K. Rowling's, but I, mm -hmm. I forget what she looks like. I have no freaking clue what J.K. Rowling looks like. I, yeah. I think she's a blonde, but that's about it. <laughs> um, And she's the richest woman in the world, isn't she? Yeah. I think I she's th richer I think than so. the Queen of England I, or some shit. Yes, yes. Who used to be the richest woman in the world, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, and I have no idea what she looks like. But that's again that's that that thing is there's no one true way there's also no one true way of thinking about writing of, of living a writer's life and stuff too um yeah. i'm surprised that you didn't say um the mix of genres but i had such fun writing those books i know from a from a career standpoint it was it was a mistake yeah and it is still a mistake and it has come back to haunt me and writing both fiction and nonfiction was absolutely devastating to my numbers as soon as amazon invented algorithms yeah um but there isn't anything i wrote that i didn't want to write well okay yeah there were but they aren't under my name that that's it's the um the uh, the bible thing yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think there was um one more that you weren't crazy about, but you still... There was a... Yeah, there was a collaboration that I did that was a work for hire um, w through Bain, but with uh, Bill Fawcett, and who was the the packager. And um, those, those I did with Aaron Alston. And I... You know, I did... He did the first two. I did the third one um, as a solo... Or, or the other way around, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, and there were, the only thing I really remember about, I think, one of those was that I was beheading Barbie dolls in it, <laughs> which I got from you. Yes, from me. <laughs> I, I, was, I was Dexter before Dexter. <laughs> my, my Barbies were all, you know, they'd shaved heads and they would be missing body parts. And we had a friend uh, who was also in Mom's Writers Group that... Uh, he would never admit to cleaning my room, and my room was a freaking disaster. I was a pack rat from hell and just d did not clean. And we were moving because of the whole all of the life situation, and uh, we didn't have any family to help because mom's parents are so awesome, and uh, oh, yeah. my father and his side of the family are so awesome. So we had a friend that came over to help with the house and was absolutely horrified at my room and <laughs> left a letter from quote the cleaning elves 
And it mentioned the Barbies in there because that was a horrifying aspect of, you, you know, you don't really typically go into an 11 year old girl's room and it, it's a hoarder dump with hidden <laughs> dead bodies just scattered about with Barbies with their heads shaved and marker on them and body parts missing. You were working through a certain amount of rage at that point. Apparently. Yeah, yeah, well, you had you had a good excuse. Yeah. But uh I still have some of my Barbies and one of them still does not have uh her head attached to her body. <laughs> I, I gave the the better ones away, but I kept some of my favorites. Um so yeah, that that is our last question for today. So. Okay. Hi, and that's the end of this episode. We hope that you guys are enjoying the AMA. We had a lot of questions, and unfortunately, I don't think that we can get to all of them. But uh, we are going to try to answer as many as we can. We'll have another couple of episodes, and then we will have um, get back to our regularly scheduled programming. In the meantime, if you have any questions regarding the AMA or any of the other any other episodes that you guys have listened to, please drop into the forums at hollyswritingclasses.com. And ask away. Go find that episode title or post in there your episode. Well, what would be your dream episode? What, what can we talk about for you? So just want to remind you guys, we love you guys so much. Thank you so much for all the support. The support on the new laptop is the MacBook Air that I had just died. And we had to order a new one. And, and the support has been just amazing. It, and it's not just, you know, we had a couple of big supporters, but we also had a bunch of just, you know, people throwing what they could to us and a couple new signups. And it's just, it means so much that this podcast means this much to you guys. <laughs> so thank you very much. And we will talk to you later.